We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and this is the Walking With Podcast. God called you to walk with people. He called us to help you. Join us for a conversation at the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. Each week, our goal is to replace a little bit of your overwhelm with more confidence in caring for the people you walk with. part three of a series called Rewire, How Sexual Addiction is Not About Sex. And this week we want to talk about really different categories of people that you, our listeners, are walking with. And I think the first one that, that comes to mind is that many of you are parents. You've got kids who who are all different ages, but you're probably either really worried by now <laughs> or you're aware that your child has already been exposed and you're wondering what what you should do, what in the world, when do they need counseling, when should I be concerned. Um, some of you are in kids' ministry, and you're wondering, how do I talk to the parents that, that I work with, or how do I protect the kids in my care? So we want to start there um, mm-hmm. with that kind of that category of, mm-hmm. of how to walk alongside of kids in this day and age with pornography. Yeah, I think, you know, the the sad reality is that we have to basically make assumptions, not not if, but when. Not not if they will be exposed or if they will see pornography or, or, or whatever, but, but when. And I think all of us, both parents and ministers alike, really need to prepare for that conversation uh, and uh, be thinking about that, talking about that, writing about that, journaling about that, praying about that, and being prepared for when we actually need to step into that. Because uh, I think preparation is going to make it so, so much better and easier. I want to talk a little bit about kind of our approach to parenting, Mm -hmm. which I think informs how we have handled this Mm -hmm. now with two teenagers and a Mm -hmm. 20-year-old. You know, we, we get asked a ton of questions about our philosophy on phone use and social media and TVs and like, like TV shows and all of the restrictions and boundaries and parameters we can put around our kids and, and their potential exposure to this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I know you and I have always wrestled because we feel a lot more flexible, like a lot more kind of loosey-goosey about it all. And we haven't put a ton of, of parameters around our kids. Rather, we've talked about kind of big picture. We've talked about the idea of evil. We've talked about sex trafficking. We've talked about the objectification of women. Like when it when it comes down to pornography, our approach has been, this is what's out there and this is what it's, it's doing to the hearts and minds of people. And then we have allowed them access to not to, to porn, but to their phones and to social media. And we've, we've talked more about what do you do when you see something, not how many locks can we put around your phone so that you'll never see it. Mm-hmm. I love how you just said, what will you do when? So it's a matter, I think, for, for us and our approach, it's for us to prepare for the conversations and then also to prepare the kids for 
that eventuality? What will you do when TVMA shows show up on the screen? What will you do when that pop-up comes? So that they're, they're both aware that that's a possibility and they also have a game plan of knowing what to do rather than it having just that, that trap that we talked about, you know, evil's trap that we talked about last week. When the trap is set, let them know what to do rather than be caught unaware. Mm-hmm. And we just always thought this is what's training them to be lifelong, independent adults, you know, who are making good and right decisions for themselves because we won't always be around to be protecting and guarding. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of parents, unfortunately, who have had a ton of limits and restrictions whose kids are so curious to find out what's behind that wall mm-hmm. that they'll do anything to find it. Yeah. And it has led to a lot of harm. Yes. And, and we're not, I don't know, that's not necessarily saying that no restrictions or too many restrictions is the only way to parent, but we have seen kind of some negative consequences yeah. as a result. And I think it's it's partnering with our kids. And, you know, when our oldest was really young, it was, I knew that he was going to have recess conversations, that there were going to be things that, you know, swear words or concepts or issues or whatever that he was going to encounter out there in the world. And I wanted to be sure that I was the first one to let him know what that was. And so I walked through and told him what all the swear words were and what they meant and uh, why people use them and and all that. And it, it wasn't because I was concerned about his swearing is that I just wanted him to know that there was a, I knew what he was being exposed to and that I was an approachable adult Mm -hmm. and that this, these are the kinds of conversations I want to prepare you for the world, not protect you from it. Mm -hmm. Now I want to protect you on some levels. Like you said, some restrictions were not, you know, just like openly doing everything with electronics and whatever, but, but more than protecting them, I want to prepare them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, what's key is them knowing mom or dad is a person that I can talk to about this. They're not too ashamed themselves to to speak those words or to have this conversation so that when they are first exposed, they aren't completely terrified and embarrassed. They know they can come and talk with us. And so let's talk about that in terms of when your kid is exposed, what's what are some of the first steps? You know, do, do you rush them off to counseling? Is it already too late? Are are patterns already being set in their mind? Or kind of what what needs to start happening, and and what might be going on for that child mm-hmm. in those early exposures? Yeah. So I think the 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 most important thing for a parent or a minister, pastor, uh, youth worker, whatever, when we come to recognize that the child has been exposed to pornography is that their first experience of us is kindness. Their first experience of us is rather than we've got to fix this or you go to your room or whatever, it's come here, buddy. Like, come here. Because I think what ends up happening is that they they recognize what I actually want is I want that hug from a parent. I want that hug and love and affirmation. Um, and the re- that the fact that I'm not getting that in some way or somehow, whether it's from a parent or bullies or you know friends or, or or whatever, because I'm not getting that that that's really the reason that they're finding uh, 
finding and going back to pornography. So what I want to do is first disrupt the relational or emotional emptiness that the child has that has actually brought them to the doorstep of pornography. And then also recognize that especially for younger kids, it's it's been something that they've been exposed to and it's at this point just been a curiosity. It's just been their natural uh, curiosity about human bodies. It's their natural body reactions and arousals that happen when they see those things and it feels good. And so they're going to that. It doesn't mean that they're addicted. It doesn't mean that there's some huge problem. Now, of course, we want to do something with them. We want to talk with them about that. But if they can come to us in a sense of uh, my parent is approachable, my parent or youth worker is kind, right? Then the next time that they're exposed or the next time they feel the pull to go to pornography, we're giving them another option. And that is the pull to come to us. And we want to hold those two things with some awareness. Like you have a choice to go to that or you have a choice to come to me. And I would so much prefer to you for you to come to me. And I don't think it's too early for us to train our kids of some of those uh, uh, biological and neurological and physiological uh, effects that are st we're starting to really see pornography having, right? That we can actually say, you know what pornography actually does is instead of making you uh, really connected and feel good about yourself, it's actually going to increasingly make you feel bad about yourself. And we don't want that, do we? You don't want that. So let's let's begin to come back to me rather than to go to pornography when you're feeling sad. Mm -hmm. And tell me that you're feeling sad. I want to hear that you were rejected on the uh, you know on the playground today at school, or that you didn't get to sit at that lunch table. I want to hear those things. Come tell me about it. Don't take it to mm -hmm. the the porn. Mm -hmm. and giving the kids that that option, I think, is extremely extremely vital. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about another category of, of people that we are also hearing a lot about mm -hmm. this generation of kind of young 20s college students and recent grads who are wanting to go into full-time ministry and are being disqualified because they are answering honestly on that application that says that they have a pornography problem. And so, so many campus ministers are are just kind of befuddled right now with what do we do like we're actually seeing such a decrease in the number of people that are eligible to come on staff based on our current policy what do they do what do, what do all of our campus ministry leaders do in this day and age well i think we have to rather than ask if there's an issue i think we need to ask the extent of the issue Right. Again, we, we need to just assume that the, some of these things are going on to some degree. And, uh, and then also to have some preparation and protocol that, again, comes from an approach of kindness versus punishment right, or rejection, like you're not qualified, uh, that says, hey, these, these are areas that are important, areas of, of purity and integrity and all those kinds of things are important to our ministry. And so therefore, here is the path that we would like you to walk. And as you walk that path and find some restoration and healing uh, and uh, recovery from some of those things, and again, it's not just recovery from the behavior. I think far too many ministries have, if you've not looked at porn for six months, now you're eligible. Uh, 
right? I think the, the heart behind that is probably good, but I don't think it's a matter of that. I think it's more like if you've done some of that personal work, that emotional awareness of you know, that, that we've been talking about, the, the emotions behind the behavior, if you've done some of that and, uh, and, and we see some of that evidence in you, that there's some emotional health that's growing in you, that your pastor, counselor, your group, whatever you're a part of is actually also saying, gosh, I've really seen a lot shift in that person, that is where we begin to have the conversation of, yeah, we would really like you to come on staff. Because actually the kind of staff that I would want on my team are the kind of staff that know how to recover and how to find themselves again and know how to uh, grow in emotional health again, not just abstain from some behavior for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. Right. You're actually looking at a more emotionally intelligent person. Absolutely. Who can walk through that. And that's where I said in the first episode about Rewire is that we have not grown a generation of emotionally intelligent people. And, uh, and I think that's really the focus of what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. Pornography addiction exists, I believe, both because this high access that we talked about, but then also because we don't know what to do with our emotions anymore. And we go to distraction, we go to busyness, we go to, you know, uh, work, we go to all these things, including pornography in order to deal with what's going on rather than actually address what's going on inside. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about a third category of, of people, of our listeners who are in church ministry. And I know that there's programs out there, there's curricula, there's there's books that probably a large pop percentage of mm -hmm. churches have utilized in some... To some degree or another. To some degree, many of which mm -hmm. are based on behavior modification mm -hmm. and what you would call sin management, yes. even though the, the, they might not say that right. in the books. Um so maybe some of those individuals have been listening and kind of swallowing, like gulping a little bit about mm -hmm. what they have used, maybe hearing the difference for the first time and wanting to implement some changes. Mm -hmm. What sorts of things might you tell them? Well, I do think that some of the material that is out there uh, is just plain harmful. Okay, and, and that is where really the full focus is on behavior modification and we're just gonna stop and stop the stop the behavior and lock down access and that there's some punitive aspect to to uh, when I have a lustful thought that I'm gonna do this to myself or I'm gonna confess this or I'm gonna, you know, whatever. There's there's whole categories of recovery uh, material around there that's that's that. And I think that's really actually quite harmful because what it actually does is it creates even more shame and doesn't address the deeper stuff and the, it doesn't create any kind of ladder out of that deep hole, right? It just reinforces this is where you are. So, well, and who is the one punishing? Right. Who is the one punishing? It's, it's I'm punishing. I'm punishing. When I have a lustful thought or when I have fallen and looked at pornography, there's certain protocols that happen that either I'm going to self-punish myself, like I'm going to make myself do more chores, or I'm going to uh, punch myself, or I'm going to, in other, some other way, self-harm so that I associate lust with pain, okay? Um, which, by the way, is also the very thing that pornography does. 
uh, it associates lust with the pain of another person. So uh, that I think is harmful, but then it also in the, this category also invites the spouse or the partner to inflict consequences on the one who is struggling. So uh, to, to kind of have some punitive response or consequences that he's got to go to the basement for this many days in order to pay her back for the fall that he's had and that kind of stuff. And it, it just so messes with the actual beautiful potential loving relationship between the two of them to put make her the policeman, uh, the judge and the jury um, and the correctional officer, right? The warden of the jail, like it just it just creates such a, a craziness in the midst of that. And I've actually seen um, I've actually seen marriages completely disintegrate when they go into into this category. There's another second category uh, of material that um, I would actually say is uh, about fifty percent there. So it, it, it does address some of the stuff with regard to, um, you know, what is going on uh, in the history. How did you first become exposed to pornography? Where were you as a boy or a girl when you became exposed? But the, the, the limitation of that is that it's just doing a historical review of your story, more of like the itinerary of when were you exposed and what happened and what did you do versus uh, that compassionate approach to the hurting and wounded child, the one that actually fell into the trap of the evil one. And so I think 50% we, we, we get good stuff, but I think there's still more that needs to happen. And that is this uh, awareness of the deeper story of who God actually made you to be and how evil has been seeking to steal, kill, and destroy that since the moment you were born. Mm -hmm. And that, um, so as a church, as a church approach, I think it's important for you to like evaluate where, is, is this approach, is this material I'm using in any way punitive? Is this material that I'm that I'm using, you know, helpful on it to a degree of understanding where did the addiction begin? Where did the exposure to pornography begin? But it's limited in the sense of how far does it actually go to recognize with compassion the child that was lost. Okay. And so if they've come to that point where they recognize it's limited, what next? What else is there? Well, I feel like um, some of the some of the work that is out there right now from uh, some of my colleagues is actually quite good. Uh, so, um, one of my favorite books right now is uh, "Unwanted" by my friend Jay Stringer, and I think he addresses some really good stuff in that book. He also has some material out there around that for groups uh, and all that. We've put together here at Restoration Counseling and Restory Labs this rewire uh, online course where um, it it begins to expose people to the the behavior cycle that I've talked about, some of the emotional cycle, but really that emotional cycle is something that needs to be done in the context of a counseling relationship. So we can address behavior um, in the course, but we've really got to do the deeper work with with someone either one-on-one or in a group. And so um, I feel like the rewire is a great on-ramp and what we've designed it to be is a group experience that you can watch as a group 
And then we have some worksheets uh, that you can do as a group, uh, questions and conversations to have, just to begin the process of getting into some of those things. Uh, and then the invitation is to go just an, another step further into some of the other things that, that either we or Jay or um, Andrew Bauman, another friend of mine, has done a lot of work in this uh, with regard to, to that and get connected into a story-focused group, not a pornography-focused group. Mm -hmm. Because if we get into the story and set aside pornography for a little while, we'll actually rediscover um, those parts of us that were lost. Mm -hmm. So whether you're working with kids, whether you're working with young adults, whether you're in church leadership, there are some different perspectives to have around pornography mm -hmm. than, than perhaps what has been traditionally out there in, in the church world, in the Christian world. I think the, the summary of all of this is that it is a a growing and insidious problem that comes from evil. Mm -hmm. And it is an attack on the very way that we image God mm -hmm. to the world. Mm -hmm. And when we have that perspective on what is what it's actually going after in us as, as individuals, I just think the whole thing changes. Yeah. Well, I hope it increases our level of compassion. I hope it increases our level of compassion for those that are you know, just now confessing, just now coming to the point of recognizing like, oh my goodness, I, I have a problem. And rather than looking at them as a problem or the, the, the thing that's happening, could we, could we not look at them as like, of course, like you are a glorious person who is under attack. Let's, let's come at this in a very different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for, for joining us in this series. You can find out more at restorylabs.com forward slash rewire. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or a star rating. We would so appreciate that. And we will see you same time, same place next week. Bye.